Okay, here we go. <laughs> Time for Baldry's Beat. Oh, it was a little slow off of the draw there yeah, this morning. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Have more coffee. Let's get it. Let's get it together here. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Okay, let's start with the um, the BC government now intervening mm-hmm. in this Kitsilano homeless housing tower. Man, what a fight there has been in that neighborhood here over this project. You have a thirteen story tower for people who are homeless or at risk of becoming homeless. There was a lot of opposition in the neighborhood to the project. Yep. It went through anyway. City Council approved it. The opponents went to court to try and fight it, to try and stop it. And now what's the province done? They've stepped in now. The province brought in a bill, unprecedented piece of legislation that basically overrides everything and says this thing's going ahead. And it's interesting. I don't think this is a one-off. I think you're going to see more uh, legislation similar to this. We've talked about David Eby has said he's prepared to go over the heads of municipalities to uh, ensure that there's housing. Now, in this case, City Council, Ken Sim and the City Council supports this project, but there is local opposition, whether you want to call it NIMBYism or anything else. It, there is opposition to the project. Oh, from, there's a lot of opposition. From local in residents who are quite furious at this. Yeah. Uh, and it's fascinating looking down the road how many more situations you're going to see the provincial government step in with, in this case, unprecedented legislation. And saying no, this is going ahead. I, just, I mean, they, they, this, the citizens group has this petition against in BC Supreme Court against uh, city the project as approved by city council. But now the, the provincial government has stepped in with a much bigger overreach and yeah. uh, reach. Whether it's overreach or not depends on your side of the equation. Okay. But I would wonder whether we're going to see similar bills with other uh, projects down the road. There's a 13-story to- uh, tower, Arbutus and 8th Avenue and Kitts, 129 units for people who are homeless or at risk of becoming homeless. And, and the government saying there will be services for people. So people have mental illness, drug yeah. addiction. They're not going to be left there on their there'll own. counselors on site. Yeah, there will be counselors there. Now, you know, opponents have said, well, we've heard this, we've heard this before. And there, there's still trouble in the, in the hood when you put these projects in. David Eby, big supporter of this, this tower, has said, well, don't worry. Once it's built, you won't even know it's there. It'll, it'll, it won't be a problem. People oh. will forget about it. Well, we'll see. But again, this is, is, uh, this is a landmark uh, event in yeah. terms of uh, provincial government stepping in and dictating what's going to happen in municipal municipality when it comes to housing. Let's, listening, let's listen to BC Housing Minister Ravi Kalon, why the government intervened here. Here he is talking to Simi Sarah. you got people sleeping in Vanier Park. Uh, near blocks away from where this uh, project uh, is being proposed and having to wait years and years, get an approval, and then find out that we have to wait more years uh, is just not acceptable when you're in a major housing crisis. Well, again, this problem is going to be magnified going forward. So the federal government uh, is bringing in... um, 500,000 immigrants in the next few years. And BC share that is going to be significant. And many of them will locate to Metro Vancouver. So the housing pressure is going to get even bigger and more acute, particularly in places where people want to live, which is largely the capital region, Metro Vancouver, and the central Okanagan. Uh, The housing right now is not adequate just to fit the existing population. You know, 250,000 people moved to BC in the last two years. That's a huge number of people. That number is just going to increase and so that's why you got uh, provincial governments increasingly pressuring Ottawa to tie housing money to immigration. Yeah, if right. Ottawa is opening the doors to immigration um, because we need more skilled workforce, there's no question. But where is everybody going to live? 
And that's where you're going to see increasingly a tension between provinces, and particularly B.C. and Ottawa, by insisting that Ottawa tie some housing money to immigration levels. Okay, let's talk about the federal civil service strike here. 155,000 workers, they're out. The strike is on. The picket lines are up. Here is the union president, Chris Aylward. We will remain at the table. We will remain for as long as it takes during the strike. And we will remain on strike until the government addresses our key issues. It's time for workers in this country to stand up and stand with us and say enough is enough and push back. Okay, I'm not sure what he's talking about there for other workers saying to push back. I don't know. I guess he wants support. They're sort of on their own on this one. Um, You don't see other, you know, BC, almost, I think, 89% of the public sector employees have settled contracts. Have settled, yeah. Um, At 14%. Basically, give or take one or two points over three years. So, Which is basically what this union's looking for, is it not? Roughly on wages. Roughly, yeah. But then they're looking for a few extras. It's two fifty yeah. an hour premium after uh, for shifts after four o'clock, which is very unusual. I've never heard of that. Four o'clock arbitrary uh, uh, time of day. Also, this undefined contribution to their so-called social justice fund. So to go to international conferences. I think those things will fall off the table. Uh, and as, as the encouraging thing, as Chris Aylward said, they're still at the table. They're still talking. Yeah, they're still talking. That's and good. And this, again, this is not a mass walkout. Their essential service levels have to be maintained. So right now, uh, just going what I've seen on Twitter, is there's pickets at a bunch of uh, government service centers. So if you, if, you're, if you need a passport, if you need some citizenship uh, situations resolved, uh, if you need paperwork done by the federal government, you're going to have to wait in a longer queue than you normally so would. The passport offices are still open. They're still open, yeah. But okay. I think there's probably yeah. fewer people staffing them. Yeah, um, it's not 100 percent staff. There are units that do have a right to withdraw services, but they have to maintain essential service levels, which means they're still open, albeit with few, much fewer staff than normal. Let's listen to the federal immigration minister here, Sean Fraser. There would be a, a serious impact on any departments that have staff who've been impacted. Uh, we know that uh, processing delays are the kind of thing that, that could take place. Okay, so he says, yeah, there'll be a serious impact. There could be delays. But like you said, it's like it's a lot of these offices are still functioning. With yeah, they're still staff. open. Okay. And, but again, it's, the key word is delay. So it's going to de- be delayed. Uh, they can't, so the government's not putting, or the union's not putting as much pressure on the government as I think maybe years ago. And again, Canada Post is not affected. This is really the, and we talked about this before, the, the biggest impact is people expecting a tax refund. It's probably yeah. going to have to wait a lot, a lot longer uh, in some cases than normal. Okay. Um, did you see the video of that armed robbery in Victoria in the jewelry store? Yes. The guy with the hammer? Kylie Stanton story. Yes. Wow. I mean, this guy comes in with a hammer in the middle of the day, so the store is open, all the staff are in there. He starts trying to smash yeah. the glass cabinets of steel jewelry, and the staff are trying to hold him up. There was one guy picks up a chair, trying mm-hmm. to push him back, like a lion tamer almost, like, get, <laughs> get back, right? As the guy tries to smash these jewelry cabinets, and this is just wild. So this was... One of the issues that came up yesterday in, in uh, question period. Wild and woolly question period. It really did get really tense yesterday at the legislature on, on crime here. So let's listen to Eleanor Sturko here, BC United MLA. Have a listen. An armed criminal brazenly robbed a busy Victoria jewelry store in broad daylight. He shattered glass in a display case while yelling and threatening staff with a hammer. This seems to be the second time in under a week that the same Hammer-wielding robber 
attacked the same store. So how much longer must communities, small businesses, staff, and the public suffer the havoc caused by this premier's soft on crime policies? Okay, and let's listen to the response here from the Solicitor General, Mike Farnworth. On this side of the House, we know that it is about the root causes of crime, which is why we have been taking actions to undo the neglect, the negligence on that side when they sat on this side. Okay, trying to turn it back on the... Well, there's no, no better performer in question than Mike Farmworth. I mean, he, was, he, was, he honed his skills as, in opposition as, uh, as one of the NDP's sharpest critics. I mean, it's, it's, anybody who knows Mike Farmworth, he's the most easygoing guy. Uh, very funny guy. So the question period, I always tell people, is theater. Yeah. And some people are better at it than others. Eleanor Sturkel's getting better all the time. I and mean, she's emerging as one of the Liberals' top critics. Oh, yeah. But Farmworth is the, we call him the garbage man because he cleans up everything in, in the House on behalf of the government. And I remember when he was in opposition, he'd stand up and just ready to rip the Liberals. And George Abbott, former Liberal cabinet minister, would yell out, cue the spontaneous outrage, causing everyone to, <laughs> to collapse in laughter, including Farmworth himself. And then but, he would go into the spontaneous yeah, outrage. Yeah, spontaneous <laughs> outrage. So yesterday was very, very theatrical. Yeah. Uh, I was in there. It was very loud. Uh, but I watched these grade 11 students from Sutherland High School in North Van who just thought this was so entertaining. Sure. And, and they just thought, whoa, I can't believe adults are yelling at each other like that. And I talked to them afterwards, and they thought it was very informative. They thought they, they got a lot out of it. That was the, the opposition holding the government to account and the government defending itself. Baldry's Beat, full phone board here. Bob in Surrey. Hey, Bob, go ahead. Go ahead, Bob. This morning, I drove down Hastings at 7, 7 a.m. this morning. I drove for three city blocks from Maine to Abbott. I counted 38 tents on the oh. sidewalk. The garbage is as bad as ever. The garbage in the curbs and the gutters. The garbage hasn't changed whatsoever. But 38 tents and people with... with Tarps over top of something, but 38 of them. So last week, they're all on the radio about, oh, let's get it all cleaned up. There's 38 back there today. Wow. Okay, that's yeah. a lot. Well, that would match the stats we're getting where there was about 120 people, this is about a couple weeks ago, down there, and 90 or 70 had, had agreed to shelter. So you do the math there. Yeah, there's about 40 people. They won't take the shelter. They, they won't don't take want the shelter, to and they keep um, putting the tents up. I'm not sure. Like in Victoria, for years, we had a 7 o'clock sweep yeah. on in downtown Victoria where the police would come, and you could sleep overnight in a doorway, but 7 a.m. you had to be gone. Well, isn't aren't the Vancouver police going in down there every day and t still taking yeah, tents down? So. Or maybe yeah, they've yeah. stopped doing it no, on I, a daily I think, basis. I think it will be a continual sweep. Where do people get all these tents? Like if they take your tent away, <laughs> yeah. you go and get another tent. Well, Where <laughs> why don't you have a tent awning business owner on here? And <laughs> Find out. Where do all these tents come from? Well, that's a that's a lot of tents. That's though. A lot of tents. Thirty-eight. That's a lot. Wow. Thank you for that call. That's over three blocks. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's still obviously a presence. That's a lot. Julia in Kitsilano. Hi, Julia. Hi, Mike. Um, it's about the 13-story tower in Kitsilano yes. that we're against. It's because uh, Dr. Julian Summers, who's a well-known mental health and addiction expert, says this is absolutely the worst place to put this tower because it's across the street from an elementary school and it's uh, just down the block from a women's shelter. And they, you know what they did? City Council shut down Dr. Summers. 
So, yeah. you know what I would do if I were you, if I can make a suggestion, Mike, is to get him on the show. Well, he was is- on. He was on today. Oh, uh, we didn't hear him. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, he, I didn't he, hear him. he was on this oh, okay. one. I encourage, I encourage you to go into the audio vault there, cknw dot com, and uh, he was on at nine fifteen. And thank yeah. you for the call. I, I didn't know it was across from an elementary school. Well, yeah, that's And there's a women's shelter there, and so like the people who are opposed to it are saying we're not against like homeless housing. Okay, we're just saying it's that not this my is neighbor. this okay. is <laughs> well, it's in the wrong location. But J- Julian Summers, this SFU researcher, also says that this is a wrong model of housing. Like you're taking people with like with very vulnerable, needy people who need you know, mental health counseling, they need drug addiction counseling, and you put them all together in, in the same building, and it, it doesn't, he says it doesn't work. Like, mm-hmm. he says the, the data shows it doesn't work, that people should be dispersed in in the community. Well, so I mean, what he, I, I'm what not sure said. that would end opposition. I mean, yeah. if you suddenly took thirteen a 13-tower 13 uh, project and divided it into six projects in the same neighborhood, I don't yeah. think you'd see a less uh, resident opposition to that. Right. Well, here's the other interesting thing. We were discussing this off air. Could they still go to court? You know, like, because they've got this, you know, like, you can, the always, go steps to, you in. can always go to court against any law. I yeah. Mean, any law is subject to a court test. So the, this citizens group was fighting Van, the city of Vancouver. Now they can, if they want, reframe their, their legal challenge against this provincial now they legislation. Now they could sue the province instead of the city. It's going to be interesting to see the BC United position on this yeah. uh, in, the, in the House. It's right. not entirely clear. Kevin Falcon, the leader, has criticized the government for reaching over municipalities with right. this concept of four units on a, on a residential lot. BC United has come down against that, at least in terms of question period. We'll see if they oppose this legislation. I have a feeling they will. Yeah, that's interesting. Dave and Kitsilano. Hi, Dave. Go ahead. Hi, let's just lighten up the program. I don't know what the world's coming to, but it's going to hell in a handbasket. Keith, want to know, your little bookshelf on there, you always got a baseball on the shelf and it's signed. Can you elaborate? Because I'm always looking at your little <laughs> setup, looking at all the different books. I'm yep. always seeing a baseball there. Can yeah, you I put th- me about it. Yeah, so this bookshelf has become a life of its own. Authors, I promote BC authors, basically your Canadian authors and publishers and post The baseball is signed by former Premier Rita Johnston. Oh, and it dates back to the 1991 election campaign when Rita was the last leader of the Social Credit Party, the dynasty <laughs> that was dying very quickly in the campaign. She was in a, having a terrible campaign. Uh, she knew that we were about to desert her in terms of covering her tour because the B.C. Liberals had supplanted the, the Socreds as the second party in the campaign, in, according to polling. The NDP was going to win, so Rita was in a bad mood all the time. And we're at a campaign stop at Coal Harbor in a restaurant at lunchtime. She's giving a speech and she suddenly drifts into this baseball anal- analogy, uh, metaphor, whatever. And I thought, what is he talking about baseball for? And suddenly she says, hey, isn't that right, Keith? And throws a baseball right at my head. Threw a baseball, threw a baseball at Well, threw a baseball at me. I caught it with one hand and kept transcri- kept note-taking. I got her to autograph it afterwards. I don't know <laughs> what that was about, Rita, but can you sign this for me? And I'm going to get other premiers to sign that baseball as well. Okay, that's the story of the baseball. That's the story of the baseball. And the baseball is on the shelf. It's on the bookshelf from time to time, along with all the BC authors' books. And we had a BC book fair here at the legislature yesterday. 
I was buttonholed by a number of authors and publishers. I'm sure they all want to be on your shelf. They all want to be on the shelf. 400,000 people watching that thing. Okay, there you go. Now you know the story of the baseball. baseball. Okay, thank you, Keith. All right, talk to you tomorrow. All right, that's Keith Baldry. That's Baldry's Beat with the backstory on the baseball. Thank you for that question for the caller there. That was great.